Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. Today we have a special guest on the Gnomecast, and this time it's a returning guest. You aren't a stranger to the Gnomecast, but for anyone that didn't catch the previous episode, would you care to talk about who you are and why people should know you from the RPG industry? Yeah, hey everybody, uh, my name is Celeste Conowich. I am a full-time game designer with 2C Gaming, as well as a freelance game designer that has worked for companies like Cobalt Press, Wizards of the Coast, MCDM Productions. I am also the DM and producer of an actual play podcast called Venture Maidens, and as well as the co-owner of the Penwich Studio Podcast Network, which focuses on you know uplifting rarely heard geeky voices in the industry. So... That's me. I'm I'm excited to be back here on the Gnomecast. Yay, I'm glad to have you back. <laughs> we had such a good chat last time. Yeah. So speaking of being back on the Gnomecast, uh, mm-hmm. do you have any projects that you would like to discuss today that you've been working on? Oh, boy, do I. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, today, yeah, I may, I'm mostly here to talk about rewards and rarities. Uh, which is the next big project uh, I'm spearheading for 2C Gaming. So last time I was here, we were talking about the Venture Maidens campaign guide, which is now, you know, almost done, almost wrapping up. So I had to do it again. I had to start a new one. <laughs> so Rewards and Rarities is going to be a really, really interesting book that I'm very, very excited to chat about. But basically, it's a guide to rewards in general, not just magic items, but all kinds of good, good treasure, boons, blessings, magic rewards, vehicles, mounts, you name it. Uh, So I'm very, very excited about it and to talk about it. You know, I I had kind of seen it on social media where you had posted it. Mm -hmm. But like, once you actually sent me the email, and I was reading this, I was like, okay, she's got me hyped for this now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, have the promo, have the look, like, look at it. Yeah, there's, there's just so much good stuff going on in this book that I feel like fifth edition sorely needs. Mm. That I am, I am very, very excited uh, for people to see this and get this resource. <laughs> so, speaking of that conversation that we had, you mentioned that rewards and rarities is a spiritual successor to the uh, third edition arms and equipment guide, mm-hmm. which I liked quite a bit. Yes. So what made you say that and what did you like about that book that makes you think of it fondly? Yeah, I mean, so I, I played a lot of 3.5 uh, back in the day uh, before, you know, finally dragging in, <laughs> into fifth edition. And what I just I, I have these books from 3.5 that are just like prized on my shelf. <laughs> They're timeless, honestly, because the content they have in them, the ideas they have in them are just so good and so evergreen. And the Arms and Equipment Guide in particular has been one of those books for me. It really is just a total compendium of things to add to your game just to make things more exciting in terms Mm. of like gear uh, and presenting all of these different like vehicles and just the expanded collections of, you know, weapons and arms and armament and resources. It's just it's like everything you love about crafting in video games is actually covered <laughs> in that book and i just i just absolutely loved all of the information in there and the way it was presented and my favorite thing to do was as a player actually having that book and being able to spend my gold on mm-hmm. things that weren't you know these wild magic items that were going to give my dm <laughs> like a heartbreak 
<laughs> you know, it was like, oh, let me get this molar capsule I can put on my tooth <laughs> to store a potion. Like, how cool? How cool is that? And of course we should have things like that in fifth edition. I want my stone plate armor. I do, I do. You know, I want, yeah, exactly. And also lo loving all of like the vehicle descriptions and the different siege weapons and options. Just, I learned so much, I think, reading that book. Oh, yeah, definitely. So one of the things that I noticed in the preview material is you mentioned a specific magical establishment, and I have always had a soft spot. I didn't necessarily like the idea in third where you could just go anywhere and buy anything right. as far as magic items went, but I have always liked weird magic shops, like, you know, <laughs> like like in um, the Fafford and Mauser stories, the Bazaar of the Bazaar, where it's just this mm -hmm. thing that shows up once in a while. And there's these these weird interdimensional things selling things to people, and like the Shadow Fey and Zobek in in the Midgard setting, how mm -hmm. they'll you know they have their you know their shop set up where it's like, well, that magical dagger might cost you your uh, childhood memories from yep. you know. <laughs> I love things like that. So yeah, what yeah. kind of what kind of content do you have in this thing that might be similar to that? Yeah. So what's fun is the way we've sort of framed this book and we've done a lot i think aesthetically with this book to really differentiate it from the other you know just magic item compendiums that are out there so one of the conceits that we have for this book is the title rewards and rarities is also the name of a magical pop-up shop that travels through <laughs> the multiverse and it is of course its proprietors are uh, cash the kobold and buck <laughs> the cat the magic cat so we have cash and buck uh, helping you through the entire book with these sidebars about how to deal with like giving magic items to your players or how to make something more useful or like how to select things that your players aren't going to forget about. Uh, so we have a lot of like helpful sidebars and those characters appearing through the book with art and you know their pictures. And of course, we are going to have some guidance in here specifically about how to deal with the problem of magic items. Because, of course, we don't want everybody just to be able to get whatever they want. You know, no conversation had. This book really does have tools like how do you have the conversation between a GM and a player if you want to purchase an item? How available should things be? How do you make these decisions? So, you know, magical pop-up stores like Rewards and Rarities, for example, are one really great solution that we've seen in a lot of, I think, 5th edition games. Mm -hmm. And that is definitely one of the methods that is proposed in Rewards <laughs> and Rarities. All right. So the uh, sample that I read that you sent along to me mentions providing all kinds of new ways to spend gold in 5th edition. Yes. And I've noticed since I've run a few campaigns that have gotten up to like 12, 13th level mm -hmm. or so. Spellcasters might eat up a lot of gold on like components and scribing scrolls, but especially like combat types, just yeah. after a while, they don't really have that much Anything to spend to things spend on. Gold on. Yeah. And so, just in general, um, what are your thoughts on the 5e gold market economy? Yeah, I, I just, uh, it's, it's awful. I mean, it's currently <laughs> awful right now because I have also been that player. I think it was in our, uh, when I was playing through Rise of Tiamat as a mm. player, of course, after Horde of the Dragon Queen, you get this absurd amount of money <laughs> at the end of that adventure. And then 
I just remember during our rise of the Tiamat game, we're like, hey, can we buy this? Can we buy this building? Like, can we have a castle? It's like, we have so much money. It doesn't even mean anything because there's no, nothing really to spend it on, which I think is, is kind of a bummer because as much as everybody likes to joke about, you know, shopping episodes, or whatever, <laughs> people like to shop for their characters and magic items and treasure have always been such an important part of fantasy storytelling as a genre. So mm-hmm. one of the huge problems I wanted to fix with this book is absolutely giving people to spend, you know, think cool things to spend money on at any level of play. So whether that's, you know, getting a mobile fortress that you can like upgrade as you go along, you know, and pay for like a personal alchemy lab to be installed, or, you know, you're training dragon mounts yourself because you own some stables or you know yeah sure you can have a bunch of different castles around here or build a submarine whatever you want to do there should be <laughs> options for you submarine where would that ever come up in a fifth edition? Uh... <laughs> yeah i mean that that is okay this is my my slight rant that i will yes. i will throw okay. out here i'm ready <laughs> one of one of the the things that has always struck me about D is that gold to me is almost as abstract as xp yeah like i have a really hard time picturing like adventurers would l- literally really have two million gold pieces at any given yeah. point in time no matter <laughs> right. how well their adventuring is going so you know if it is kind of like xp then you should kind of have a, a good economy for spending it and for turning it into other things or yeah. for you know, maybe even turning it into like, you know, plot element things Mm -hmm. that are better quantified that, you know, you're not just leaving the GM out there going, I guess that costs somewhere between 5,000 and uh, 2 million. I don't know. (laughs) Well, that that sounds a lot like magic item pricing. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Somewhere between, I don't know, five and 5,000. Who knows? Um... (laughs) Well, and that's yeah. That actually segues into the next thing I wanted to ask you, which is: so I personally like that magic items aren't readily available for purchase the same way they were in three five. Mm-hmm. But I also don't like the complete extreme of you can never buy a magic item. I have played around a little bit with like the um, the rules, like from Xanathar's, where you can kind of ask around and get these things. But even at that, I notice the pricing is not great. No. And um, like even rarity for magic items, I think Jeremy Crawford's even said this, that some of it is based on how hard or powerful the item is. But some of it's just based on this is supposed to be rare. Well, you know, that. Yeah, that's weird (laughs) because this thing that's not super powerful, but maybe isn't that common is the same price as this other thing that you can blow half a mountain off with. So I noticed there might be a little bit about magic item pricing in this product. So would you care to uh, speak to that? Oh, yes. Uh, This is a huge, huge problem, I think, in 5e. Uh, When I immediately started, you know, sending around this promo and talking to people about rewards and rarities, like the first comment I got from so many people was, oh, my God, yes, magic item (laughs) pricing. I'm like, yes, because we need it so much. I mean, the example of, you know, how how broken it is currently. And, And we really only have a couple sentences in one book and a few paragraphs in another book about pricing and even then that guide those guidelines are wildly inaccurate like if you use this system then you know your boots of flying are going to be the same price 
as a quiver of efficiency, which is basically just a magic fanny pack, like yeah. <laughs> just for arrows, though. Uh, so it's just it's it, yeah that that was a big thing that I really wanted to address. So mm. in this book, I do we have presented pricing guidelines based on rarity, but we also provide ways to scale it based on, for example, um, the magic level of your setting. Mm-hmm. So we have guidance. If you have a low magic setting, obviously magic items need to be way, priced way higher mm-hmm. than if you have a high magic setting where, you know, everybody is walking around drift globes and <laughs> everything like that. And then um, I did provide also step-by-step guidelines for how to price your own items Mm -hmm. so that way you're not just stuck here you know looking at like okay well we've only done the srd or like here's the pricing for all our items and what i did with with that system is i did like a step-by-step thing and basically there are some items with certain qualities that make them inherently more expensive than others so anything that allows you to fly anything that allows you to create infinite resources <laughs> things like that anything that opens a portal to another plane of existence <laughs> like these are if things, you're gonna like, break reality it's gonna be yeah, expensive. <laughs> like these should be more expensive <laughs> so, <laughs> so i do have a very like situational guidance to help people see the logic of why things should be priced the way Mm. they are and then hopefully that will be a more academic and helpful look at how to price things other than just it's all five thousand gold because it's (laughs) rare Mm. well and that was one thing i noticed like this was when i was running my uh tales from the old margrave campaign Mm -hmm. and basically they had like a, a dwarven merchant that would come through every month or so and every so often they would say hey can, if you swing by Zobek, can you look for this for us? And that's how I was kind of handling that and then using the downtime rules. But the more I started using them, the more it was like, if I do this literally by the book, if they roll well enough, this armor that is magical is actually cheaper than the armor. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. Yeah. And then, and then you're just, of course, of course, GMs are having a miserable time, you know, with using these pricing as it exists now, because these items shouldn't be that inexpensive, <laughs> but it, it's, it's super random and it's, yeah. it's all kind of a disaster. So one of our big things, we want to repair the, you know, the player and GM relationship to magic items. I feel mm-hmm. like that is something that has been so critical to Dungeons and Dragons through its history. And now it's like a, uh, and nobody's really addressing the problem and we're all just doing our best. And now it's time. It's time we move on from that. It's time we get yeah. some, <laughs> some, some solid guidance here. And I'm going to go off script from some of my questions because this just <laughs> kind of like popped into my head as I was thinking about this. But one of the things that I liked from another 3.5 product, which was the magic item compendium, mm-hmm. I liked the socketed magic items. Yeah. Where, you know, like this, this armor is built to be a receptacle and based on what you put in it, I know there are people like, oh, it's too video game. It's like, yeah, but I like that aspect of video games. I really like that. <laughs> yeah. I like, you know, and there is something that kind of feels fantasy to say, I affixed this rune to this uh, armor and now it does this thing instead of, you know, what it did before. So anything like that? Yeah, so we are doing something uh, for the magic items section in this book. We are breaking down pricing and like guidance based on three general categories. 
So consumables, of course, are the things you use and then they go away. Mm -hmm. Permanent, which is going to be most of your magic items. But we also introduce pricing and rules for enchanted items. So, and the, the logic here is like, okay, yes, there are very few people in the world who can like make permanent magic items. So of course they are going to be the rarest, the most, the most scarce. But enchanted items, for example, like why would it be so difficult to take your long sword and go to a wizard tower and have somebody do a plus two enchantment on it? Why should mm -hmm. that be so difficult or make that sword flaming? Things like that. So yeah. enchantments are we give guidance for pricing and how to get those and how to deal with that. So enchanted items are going to be much easier to come by using this system than permanent magic items because it's a whole different skill set in my mind right mm -hmm. you know you find your artificers you find your wizards there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of these people running around why couldn't they make your sword <laughs> do a little bit extra cold damage yeah and, and i also had my dragon age flashback because you said enchantment yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of the other things just this is just bringing a bunch of like old three five ideas in my head <laughs> There's so much gold stuff there. <laughs> yeah. So Weapons of Legacy. Mm -hmm. I was not always a fan of how it did it, but I loved the concept of these items that, you know, you could get and they grew over time. Mm -hmm. So will we see anything like that in here? Yeah. Yeah, we definitely we have a couple uh, artifact items that scale up. So this is something they did, too, I think, in the the critical role. Yes. Book. They had a few items mm -hmm. like that. And so I, I think that's a great system so we do have some magic items that scale in a very similar way so what's fun about these is that you can actually have someone who wow i inherited like my family's sword this is amazing and you carry it with you and then you discover over time as you grow <laughs> of course that wow it's actually excalibur and like this is <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, so unlockable items or upgradable items mm -hmm. so something that's really important to me is it's just it's the worst when you make a character and you have a weapon and maybe it's a specific type of weapon or something you're really trained to do or something you love. And then it just doesn't make mechanical sense to keep that weapon mm -hmm. that you love anymore as you go on. And there really isn't any current solution to upgrade an item or to, yeah, add some magic onto it. So that is something, yeah, being able to scale items from, you know, mundane to extraordinary is something we are definitely addressing in Rewards and Rarities. Yeah, you really don't don't have a lot of, like, epic fantasy stories where somebody says, this is Folk Lever and it's been really awesome for a long yeah. time, but, yeah, but that you thing know, looks a little bit cooler. <laughs> yeah, I guess I need to upgrade to a D12, so I'll pick up a battle act, you know, that, that kind of boo we don't want that we don't want that i mean i really like sting but but <laughs> i could get more dps if i had a bigger <laughs> weapon you're like, oh. it's like all of the daggers you know that ever existed and mm -hmm. they made all these magic daggers and it's like but who is ever going to pick the magic dagger <laughs> guys like <laughs> why did you even bother <laughs> Well, I mean, at least now, you know, if you take the uh, thrown weapon fighting style, you can actually you throw <laughs> weapons up to the amount of attacks you have, unlike... <laughs> oh, 
unfortunately, gosh. speaking of critical role, having to make a magic item so that somebody can throw as many daggers as they want. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, now that now that I've gone off on that digression there. <laughs> so I know personally, I like when video game things bleed back into tabletop games mm-hmm. because I know it's a circle like that's video games got things from tabletop games and it feeds back and everything. One of the things that I've gotten very used to from MMOs is having fancy mounts. Mm -hmm. So that's been kind of not as much of a thing. Like I know there are monsters that you could use for mounts, but there's not a lot of rules around it. So again, it, it becomes kind of a nebulous thing that you're throwing on the GM to say, okay, how can I get this kind of mount? And then you have to kind of go, I don't know. I don't know how hard it should be for you to get this mount. Yeah. So speaking of mounts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we do. We are addressing that. We have a whole chapter in this book that's going to be all about hirelings and followers. And that will also include mounts and magical pets, things of that nature. And not only is it just giving you stat blocks, but it's providing you tools to actually make that a playable part of 5e. Because right now, you get so punished if you bring a horse. What are you going to do? You have to go into the dungeon, Mm -hmm. and of course, random encounter, a bugbear is going to eat it while you (laughs) came back, and you're like, oh, okay, that's great. Uh, Or, you know, you're sitting, you're surprised by a fireball one time, and then everything you love around you is dead. And (laughs) (laughs) it's just... It It's a bummer. It's a huge bummer. So in this, we have a lot of optional mount rules that you can use to actually make this viable. For example, and we have like tricks that you can teach them as well to make them better as they go on with time. So it's actually feasible to run around as a paladin at high level with a real horse. Um, and it won't be just a huge mistake. Um, so that is something we definitely wanted to put in here and address. And, you know, speaking of ways to spend your gold, too, we also provide rules for what is it like to stable these creatures? Like, mm-hmm. we we are giving you tools so you don't have to keep this thing with you all the time. Like, why why wouldn't you be able to, like, rent a stall where your horse is and pay somebody to take mm-hmm. care of it, like, in real life? That should be an option. So oh, we have yeah. provided, yeah. So we've provided like gold tables, how much it costs, you know, feed and stable creatures of various types. So obviously it might be harder to find somewhere to, you know, feed and stable a young dragon, but we have <laughs> rules for it uh, in case you do happen to, to find somewhere. You may need to keep my griffin away from the horses. Yeah. But... Oh my god, no, griffin's on that side of the city. Breaks <laughs> over there, otherwise the whole mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean I honestly I, I love I, I love just weird mounts too. Yeah. Like I love thinking about things like I I, I believe it's in one of the uh, Kobold Press books where they have the war ostriches. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I just I also love the idea too, like of having different mounts for different occasions. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, when you dip into the underdark, it's great. You can bring your riding lizards, you can leave your horses behind, or you can swap over to your horses or, you know, get your big chocobos like when you're running across <laughs> the plains. Whatever you need. Yeah. Uh I I think mounts should be a tool like any other adventuring gear or mm-hmm. you know, so that's this book helps you put that option back on the table 
So you also mentioned followers in the same section. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to see in the way of hirelings, henchpersons, and other assistants for hire? <laughs> yeah, so I I feel like Wizards of the Coast has been dancing around trying to make this work. We have seen a lot of like sidekicks mm-hmm. uh, starting to pop up in disparate places. So what we're doing in here, we are building out those rules a little bit more and giving people more options for the types of people they do want to hire or employ. So this is everything from like a bodyguard that you can hire to, you know, follow you around and take punches for you. Or what does it cost to have an archmage, you know, cast the teleport spell or put this gate in your dwelling? Mm -hmm. We also have rules for like armies that you can buy. So again, when you're getting up to those higher levels, if you want to hire an entire mercenary band to go attack someone or, you know, assassinate someone, this is <laughs> this is here. These options are here for you to use. We're outsourcing this one, guys. Yes. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you're level 20. You're busy. Why don't you just hire an army to go do it? Just like the, a king would. <laughs> no? We're the quest givers now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have we have options to hire adventuring parties to do things for you as an adventuring party. So I, I like that. I, I remember, I think this was even in the Stronghold Builder's Guide from 3rd Edition, mm-hmm. where you could do things like when you were building a fortress, you could have a portal to a specific place. Yeah. You know, that, it, it cost a certain amount of money. And like, yeah, we have, we have a portal because we go to the city all the time. Why do we want to ride things across yeah. the, you know, when we, have, we just have a portal? We always go there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? I mean, that's how the teleportation spell works. So mm-hmm. why wouldn't you be able to pay someone to install that circle for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you totally should be able to. Well, and some of this really does come up in more fantasy than I think people realize. realize. Yeah. Like there are all these kind of things where it's like, well, look at all of these things inscribed here. It always takes you to this point. And yeah, you know, it actually brings a little bit more of that narrative back into things. Yeah, definitely. Because also, yeah, it, give more options so people don't have to do the long traveling montages mm-hmm. all the time. Like, if people want to invest in a way to get quickly from A to B or a resource that will help them deal with X, Y, or Z, that should be something that they can do so they can focus on the elements of the game that they really do want to play mm-hmm. uh, and enjoy. And that was uh, um, that was actually one of the things. There's <laughs> mm-hmm. This will be a few weeks afterwards, but there's been some discussion about high-level play and how often it gets you know, happens and things like mm-hmm. that. That was one of the things that I liked. Um, uh, Arcanum Worlds, that's it. The company that made uh, the uh, Odyssey of the Dragon Lords. Mm-hmm. And when you get into like the higher level chapters of that, because it kind of spans all the way up to 20th level, they stop worrying about telling you it's going to take you this long to get from this place to this place. They're just saying this thing's going to happen by this time. Yeah. And and you find out about it here. (laughs) If you want to walk, you're not going to stop it. But yeah. you don't have to walk because you're probably like 15th level at this point. Right. You can you can fly and summon, you know, angels and you like you're you you're good. Yeah. And I kind of liked the idea that they weren't trying to guess at every mm-hmm. option for mobility yeah, every you would have at that level. It's like, no, you're 15th level. Yeah. You can figure like, it out. You, you can figure out a way to get here. <laughs> you can call in a favor or you can, you know, Yes, you can step through the ethereal plane, whatever you want to do. (laughs) 
Yeah, definitely. So I have to ask this because it is my absolute favorite item from the arms and equipment guide. <laughs> is there anything similar to an orc shot put in this book? We do. We have uh, so something. Something else that's kind of fun. We're doing. We are, of course, doing a magic item section, like a big catalog at the back of this book, in addition to all of these other things. And we are doing class recommended items. So basically, we're going to be introducing a bunch of mm-hmm. new items specifically designed to help the mechanics of one character class or a couple different character classes. So there's one that we have for the barbarian uh, that is a a a launcher it's basically a, a party launcher so they, so people can crawl into this backpack mechanism and be flung because we all know that barbarians throw everyone in in fifth edition so we do we do have an item uh very similar you want to throw your party members you know we're gonna take the take the risk out of that just fling them everywhere <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh my gosh. I did though. I I, I really did like the workshop put just because yeah. I love this idea that it's like I am really good at, at the shot put. Yeah. And I'm going to use it in combat. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it at Why? somebody and hit them with yeah. it. <laughs> no, I did I did see that though in the preview material that you sent me where you had the breakdown by um by classes for different magic items. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea. I think that I, I think sometimes, and this is another thing that I run into a lot now online is talking about people that have gotten into D and D in the last mm-hmm. few years that haven't been playing all the way back to, you know, forever. Sometimes you don't necessarily know that, Oh, this would be a really good thing. Like you might, if you really sit down and read every magic item, start picking out, Oh, this would be good. Yeah. But if you you know, I, I feel like there was a point in time where people system mastery was sort of like this hidden thing that people had to figure out for themselves. Yeah. And I am fine with system mastery being part of the game, but don't try and make it this thing that like you have to learn it yourself, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's something I I really wanted to do with this book was the class recommendations, because I mean, how many times have we been there? You know, we have to make a character, maybe even for just a one shot or like a short series Mm -hmm. of games. And, you know, the DM's like, okay, you can also pick one uncommon magic item. And it's like, oh, all right. What do I what? uh, uh," You know, so this book as a player, you can just flip it open. And right there, you know, there are 10 choices that are marked for my ranger. Let's look at those. Uh, and I know, I mean, I know, you know, on, on YouTube or whatever, it's like the top 10 magic items for this class or like Googling, hey, what are the best magic items for this class? It's everywhere. So mm-hmm. why haven't we addressed that? Uh, so that's, that is what I am doing in this book. So it's really, really easy for players to, to find something great for their characters or as the GM looking immediately at these and going oh this would be a good thing to put in a dungeon for my mm-hmm. druid my druid to find or you know a good a reward to give someone because again people are always getting these lackluster items especially if you're using those horrible treasure tables like <laughs> you have so much stuff that doesn't really matter it works against your class features you know mm-hmm. is terrible with your action economy or just does a subpar version of this and enough enough of that let's only do good items that we love 
I feel the pain of the statement having played a monk in, in Adventurers yeah. League for a while. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing no. for monks. Um, or even druids. There's like, oh, there's that one staff. Like, yeah. you know, no. Or the uh, for rangers, the one bow, the oath bow. Wow. Or if you want to go into Theros, okay, there's that one other one now. Like, that's. And, and oh, even boy. if those things are good, you don't want there to be one thing that is the yeah. go-to. You want like, something that okay, can be yeah, exciting what, and different. What if this friend of mine always plays rangers in campaigns, and then what am I going to do? Give them the same bow every time? Like, that's... <laughs> no! <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely I definitely agree there. Um, <laughs> but yes, oh, my poor, my poor monk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Honestly, <laughs> I, I played in, um, not this year, but I played in one of James Intercasso's games where he was running Planet of the Tras, mm-hmm. and we all got to bring a 20th level character. Yeah. And I made a Furbolg Ranger, and then I realized I have no idea what to get him. Like, even as long as I've been running and playing things, I'm like, I have no idea what to get a 20th level Furbolg Ranger that would make sense and yeah. help him help him out. And I don't want to just get boring like, oh, it's a plus three axe or whatever. You know, I wanted yeah. something that was going to play up him being a ranger. And it was like, I can't think of anything. There's nothing. Yeah, it's. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully this will, you know, you could have opened up this book and been like, oh, look, <laughs> all of these ranger icon items and found something <laughs> juicy in there. To <laughs> and then I could have gone to James and said, Celeste, I can use this. Uh, Celeste said. So. <laughs> <laughs> <You know. laughs> Tusi Gaming stamp of approval. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't veto this. <laughs> oh goodness. So, um, do you have anything else that you would like to talk about for this project, or anything else that you have upcoming? Yeah, I mean, I guess just for you know rewards and rarities, um, it's going live on Kickstarter November fourth. So probably people after this episode go right now go to kickstarter um (laughs) probably live right now so definitely check it out you know if you type in rewards and rarities it'll come up we've got a lot of fun extra add-on items also going (laughs) along with this like we're doing all of our magic items as a magic item card deck so you know if you get an item you can just keep that card in your binder with all its stats and you know the cool art Mm -hmm. on there to look at we are also really trying something different with the layout and the colors and the art of this book, we really wanted this to feel like a luxurious shopping experience all the <laughs> way through. So please do make sure to, you know, check out the art, see what's going on. We've got some fantastic artists on this project and a huge number of just amazing contractors making magic items for this. Like people that I I, I cannot believe we have so many cool people <laughs> working on this book. So please do at least head over to the page, check out all these fine folks and make sure to, you know, follow them across the board. Uh, that would be just really delightful. And we should have, um, we should be able to put links into the uh, Kickstarter and Yay. all of that for the show notes here. I saw like the preview document that you sent me and mm-hmm. it it looks like the, even that preview already looks really, really nice. Ah, yay! <laughs> yeah, I wanted colors. I th- where where are we afraid of colors in fifth edition? <laughs> there was I don't know I don't know if it was super helpful, but um, the Scarred Lands uh, monster book had mm-hmm. these neat little sidebar 
like symbols and colors for things, you know, like whether it's high, high level or yeah. whether it lives in different environments. And I liked it just because it did do something different with the page and using yeah. some of that blank space on the side. Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah. definitely, you know, we're pushing, we're pushing the envelope to try and make everything useful. That's mm-hmm. the goal. You know, let's make treasure fun and useful <laughs> is the theme of this book. Let's treasure make treasure fun. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Not a pain. Let's make it fun. <laughs> so before I wrapped up, I wanted to say I've been listening to Campaign 2. <laughs> I I enjoy everyone, but Sage is killing oh. me. <laughs> oh, Aoife, our sweet baby. Yeah. Irish <laughs> satyr. We 16-year-old. <laughs> I, I think it's so funny how they are all so young. All their characters in Venture yes. are so young. Even our drow <laughs> is only like a hundred years old, which is nothing. <laughs> Just I love like the serious conversation and Aoife's <laughs> exclamations. As this yes. Is yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. That's oh, awesome. definitely. I, I'm definitely enjoying that. So on that note, can you let us know where we can find you and some of the other projects you might be working on and where you're at on the internet? Yeah, so the best place to keep up with me, the the hot goss as it flies around, is to follow me on Twitter, at C. Conowich. If you want to see the full catalog of my streams, my podcasts, everything I've written, published, head over to my website, CelesteConowich.com. You can find all of it. All of it is up there. Yeah, but otherwise, you know, keep your eye on 2c gaming um i'm working on a bunch of fun stuff with them uh we're like i said we are actually wrapping up writing now for the venture man's campaign guide uh which <laughs> kickstarted about a year ago so actual just sales are going to start for that again soon so keep your eye out for that book uh when it does really come looking out forward to seeing that yes, I backed we it. Do. oh my gosh <laughs> all of the art is done which is so so i just have all this beautiful art to look at Oh, gosh, it's amazing. Um, And yeah, Venture Maiden, speaking of that, uh, if you want to hear me putting into practice all of this stuff, all these rules I'm claiming to fix, you should check out the Venture Maidens podcast, uh, which is available everywhere. Podcasts are free. We release new episodes every Sunday. Uh, If you want to hear more about Venture Maidens, you can always head to VentureMaidens.com or follow us on Twitter at Venture Maidens. All right. And uh, on that note, I'm looking forward to having you back again in the future if you ever want to uh, come by and talk again. Oh, you know, I can't stop making books. So I am <laughs> sure <laughs> I just I just I just keep making more. So I am sure I will be back. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on here again. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Bye. This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad brought to you by the Interdimensional Trade Consortium. The Interdimensional Trade Consortium has been selling weird stuff around the cosmos for eons, and there's a good chance some version of you is already a satisfied customer. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Misdirected Mark. Phil, Bob, and Jerry go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at whatdoiknowjr. You can find my personal blog at whatdoiknowjr.com, 
And you can find the text-to-speech podcast of my blog post at anchor.fm slash whatdoiknowjraudioblog. Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Here we talk with other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew. So I best we... I best we... I best we... I best we... best we... best we...